Um, so good morning, everyone. Welcome to Lakeland Community Church. Um, if you look at the Lakeland Community Church logo, it says underneath it, established 1996. Uh, I got to tell you, in 1996, this was a different kind of church. I mean, different from other churches that were going on at, in, at, the, at that time. We had just come out of the tele-evangelist age. I don't, if you missed Christianity in the late 1980s, you missed some silliness. Um, there were these guys, and they had these huge TV followings, huge radio followings, very, followings, very, very popular, right? But by 96, they're all falling one after another, as it's realized they were involved in grotesque sexual scandals and breathtaking displays of greed. The church was not popular, not something people thought well of in 1996, Local churches weren't a whole lot better. It was very common to hear this story of, uh, in, in our town in, in the mid-90s of people inviting their friend to church because their friend expressed an interest in possibly investigating Jesus. They invite their friend to church. And, and an usher, if not a pastor, stops their friend at the door of the church because they've got blue jeans or a ball cap, you know, and tells them, you turn right around and go home and change if you want to worship here to a stranger who came looking for God. That was a common story. On the other side of town, churches were dry as dust. I mean, for something that's supposed to be proclaiming the greatest miracle of the universe, they were so boring. Lakeland was a different kind of church in 1996. And then we'd circle up for the baptism and we'd pass the, the microphone around and have everybody uh, say why they're there being baptized. And people would say, you know, Lakeland has been a different kind of church for me, and, and, and Lakeland has loved me like I've never been loved before. Lakeland accepted me as I've never been accepted before. Um, uh, Lakeland showed me this new thing called grace. Lakeland, 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 Lakeland. Started to worry us. What's missing? I don't know. God? Let's go out on a real limb. Jesus? Where? He was missing from these stories. We started wondering... Are these folks saved to Jesus Christ? Are they saved to Lakeland? What, what are they hearing exactly when we're preaching and why we don't want to be Mr. Bean goes to church? They were hearing the message and then seemed like ended up maybe worshiping the wrong thing. This is not a new problem. This was happening in the very first churches. Uh, for our Good Things Go Bad series, we're in the book of Acts, chapter 14, and here in the midsummer. And we're going to pick up right where we left off last week in verse 8. So Paul and Barnabas, you're going to hear about them. Paul and Barnabas were some of the first teachers of the church. And they have left Antioch to go to islands and go to other coastlands, because there's Jews living everywhere in the world, to tell them that the Messiah promised has come. What they find is when they preach, it's not just Jews who come to believe, but also pagans, also Greek-speaking foreigners are coming to believe in Jesus Christ as well. And that's what's about to happen here in verse 8. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. 
They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. So this amazing miracle happens. Paul heals this guy who's been crippled since he was born. And the crowd goes wild and they start talking. Now here's the problem. Paul and Barnabas can see that the crowd is going wild and why wouldn't they? They've known this guy their whole life. He's never walked, now he's walking. So of course they're, they're gonna just go crazy and throw a parade. What Paul and Barnabas don't know is that they think Paul and Barnabas are gods come to visit the earth. And they don't know that because while back then, anybody who wanted to get business done spoke Greek. That was the language you need to be able to speak to be, do business with anybody. But they had this local dialect they spoke in this village of Lystra. And Paul and Barnabas don't speak that. So they can't hear when the people say, they're gods. Uh, that guy must be Zeus. And the one who's doing all the talking must be Hermes, the messenger which then really freaked the people out. And here's what Paul and Barnabas don't know, is that here in Lystra, they have a different version of the flood story. So they, they know that there was a flood that took out everything in ancient history, but they have a different version of why that happened. It's not Noah and the ark. In Lystra, the story was that Zeus and Hermes came to visit the town, and everybody recognized that it was them and offered sacrifices to them, except for one couple. One couple in the town was kind of snotty and they didn't offer sacrifices to Zeus and Hermes. So Zeus got angry and flooded the entire region. So when they see this guy get healed and somebody says, oh, I think this might be Zeus and Hermes, they all freak out. They know the next thing they need to do is offer sacrifices to them and every single person better participate or these guys might get mad and destroy everything. So all Paul and Barnabas know is the guys walk and praise the Lord and the parade's starting and then they see them marching in bulls with wreaths of flowers and garlands of flowers and Paul says, oh no, that is a pagan sacrifice ritual. That's what they do for their local gods and they're marching it right up here to our feet. What did they just hear? I mean, he just preached to them that God's Messiah has come in Jesus, that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus will save them. He, he's just preached to them that the old God, Zeus, and all that pantheon, they're not even real. How did they get this? How did they get it so wrong? It's easy to get frustrated by what's not happening in this passage, that people aren't understanding, that so many of them are getting it wrong, that they're worshiping all the wrong people, that we can miss the fact that there was somebody in that town who got it right. We blew right past the man who'd been crippled since before he was born. Can we go back and pick that guy up? Verse 8, verse 8. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he'd never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Now, this is not a guy who was, uh, who was you know, hurt on the job last year. 
He was born this way. His feet have been curled under like that since he was born. So when God straightens this guy's feet out, he's not just correcting a birth defect. He also has to regenerate all the muscles in his legs that have never been used for walking. He also has to regenerate his entire neurological systems that never learned how to control that movement. I mean, this is a miracle of epic proportions from top to bottom for this guy. And he gets up and he walks. I don't know what kind of walk it was. I don't know if he was dancing Saturday Night Fever or kind of wobbling around. It doesn't matter. He can walk. It's a miracle. Because he had faith. He was sitting there listening to the apostles preach. And he just thought, this is it. This is what God has sent for me. I can follow this God. This God can save me. This God can give me a new life. And Paul saw this in his face and knew that the Holy Spirit wanted to give this guy his first down payment. Yeah, I'll change your whole life. Why don't we start with the biggest thing that's been holding you down? Why don't we start with walking? What an amazing thing God's doing that day because he had faith to be healed. It's a wonder. So yeah, the crowd gets it wrong. It's going to turn into a real mess. But let's not run past the fact that that guy got it so right. And something so amazing was happening there. And it's been true in our congregation through the years. Yes, a lot of folks have, have heard the message and got enamored with the wrong things, right? The band's awesome. The preaching's okay. The, the people are wonderful. And somehow, you know, that became what they're holding on to. And frankly, a lot of them aren't here anymore. People who told that story. You can't be saved to a church or a preacher or even a wonderful group of people. That's not how it works. It has to be to Jesus Christ. So it's easy to get worked up about all that didn't happen for people. But let's not blow past all that has happened and all that God has done. There's been a lot of folks, some of them are you, that were healed, that stayed married, that kicked addictions, that moved past materialism and wealth and into something of a real meaning, uh, that changed their attitude, that faced their depression and weren't defeated by it, that faced their anxiety and it doesn't control them anymore. Uh, that found a true identity, a true sense of identity and worth. And those people knew it happened here, but it was God who did it. It was God through Christ Jesus that did it. Lakeland's still a different kind of church. It's still a different kind of church. We have a whole new generation coming up. They have all new questions and a lot of the old ones still. And here's a story I still hear a lot, super frustrating to me, but someone will say, you know, I was reading through the Bible and I was frankly confused. There was some stuff that kind of bothered me. I started asking questions. I had a few doubts. And the youth pastor or sometimes the pastor takes them aside and says, we don't ask questions like that here. We just believe and have faith. If you can't just believe and have faith, then maybe you should leave. I still hear that story. Never have heard that here. I've never heard that story here. Uh, for us and for churches like us, we just believe that 
when you're really doing logic and you're really doing reasoning, you are doing something God created. And God is there if it's real logic and real reasoning. And if you move into that, it will take you closer to God. It will take you closer. We're not afraid of the questions. And so bring the questions, email them in. If you're watching the live stream, you're like, I got a question. Email me. We will start a correspondence. I will wear you out. Um, um, We're not afraid of that. We're not afraid of that. That's God's territory. Thought and reason is God's territory. He has the best thinking. So so go there. Uh, Life also has a lot of unfair knocks, right? A lot of tragic, unfair things still happen. Babies are still born with crippled feet and not able to walk. And here's a story I still hear too often, is that someone will have a, a, a baby born, you know, with a disability. They will have um, a, a diagnosis themselves that's not good. They'll have a financial tragedy, a family tragedy. And someone in their church, sometimes their own pastor will say, uh, well, you have a secret sin. You have something you've done to offend God, and so he's cursed you because if you, if you were right with God, that wouldn't be happening to you. He would fix that for you. So, so you have to figure out what your secret sin is and confess it, and then it'll all turn out okay. That's garbage. That's garbage theology. It doesn't say anything like that anywhere in the Scripture. Paul prayed his whole life that a thorn in the flesh should be removed, and God said his whole life, sorry, no, there's reasons. We just, church, for us in churches like us, we don't, we don't have it, that theology. We believe you, when you're in your high places, you walk with God in joy. And when you're in your low places, you can walk with God. And if you can't, he'll carry you. And, and, and we are all here for each other in the ups and the downs. And we don't sit and wonder, why did that happen to them? I, I have to find a reason to blame them, which is a secret way of saying, I want to make sure nothing bad could ever happen to me. It's, well... No, we're not promised that. We're promised the presence of God through all of it. So it's still a different kind of place. Uh, All of our preaching, all of our worship and prayer and ministry and everything has to constantly point to one thing. And you've heard this before. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son and that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And everything's got to point to that. They can't worship us. They, no, nobody should be lining up saying, Lakeland this. And the title of this message is why you shouldn't love Lakeland. Too much. You can love it, but don't love it too much. Because it's dangerous, because we don't have the wisdom that people need to negotiate the next stage of their life. We, can't, we don't have the power to do the miracles that they need, that God wants to do, to, to change their circumstance and to show a new life. And here's the biggest reason. We're huge sinners. We're huge sinners. I, I'm working my way to the same cross that I'm telling all of you about. I can't forgive sins. I can't conquer sins. I have no right and no ability. All I'm doing is offering a shoulder saying, I'm limping that way. You want to limp that way too? Because I heard there's someone here who can take this all away. That's where I'm headed. That's all any of us are doing. So what happens 
when someone hears the preaching, they hear the news of the cross, that God has sent his son not to judge but to save, and they get it wrong. What, what do we do about that? We go on to verse 14. To go on to verse 14, you'll have to come back next week. We'll get to that. We'll get to what Paul and Barnabas do about the parade of sacrifices coming up to their feet. But for today, let's not blow past the man who was healed. Let's not blow past the healing God has brought us and, and, and still wants to bring to us today. And let's celebrate that. And, and this morning, maybe some of you are, are thinking, okay. I think I could start a journey here. I don't know everything about Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but I... I've heard enough. I believe, I feel it in my heart that God is offering me this and I want to accept the offer and see where it goes. We'll we'll pray together right now. Let's pray. Father, we've been through highs. We've been through lows. It's becoming clearer now, Lord, that you've always been there. It was us who were wandering around distracted. But today, Lord, your spirit maybe has given us the ability to see you, that your hand is stretched out to us, and uh, we want to take the chance and take it, Lord. But Lord, I want to start a life with you. I want to follow you. I want to see where this goes. I invite your Holy Spirit to come and teach me. I, I see now that you have forgiven me. I don't need to hide from you, and I don't need to be ashamed. Uh, Lord, pray for each person praying this prayer right now at home, in the sanctuary, that um, they will feel the full forgiveness of Christ Jesus and the full invitation to take a next step into an amazing new life with you, to stand up and walk. It's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.